I should have Jarrett come up here and speak at this point, but I can recall a couple of years ago when he got out of college, um, he was starting to make his way in the world and, you know, getting an apartment and, you know, all the things that you have to do. And <laughs> he came to my wife and I at one point, and he's like, they should have a class on life <laughs> in college because they teach you all this, you know, theoretical information, yet they're kind of short on the practical side. You know, do, wh what kind of health insurance should I sign up for? You know, just all those decisions that you get flooded with as soon as you get out. Well, I think what Mark and Michelle are trying to do is really provide a class on life, right? What are some of the practical things that you need? How do you make a budget, for example? You know, that might be something that they've gone all the way. I remember counseling a young couple who was getting married. And um, there was this big, you know, they were concerned about money because that's always a topic that I'll bring up because that's usually a hot-button issue in most married couples. And so uh, we started talking about that, and I got was getting all these different answers, and I said, all right, hang on a second. I said, here's what we're going to do. Next time, you're going to bring me a list of all your income, and all your expenses, and we're going to sit down and we're going to make a budget. And that was their next marital counseling session was financially oriented. And it was fascinating once we did that, that uh, they finally saw some things that they hadn't really seen before in terms of where they were spending money, and it, it actually resulted in some very significant change. In fact, the uh, young lady had a horse that she was paying to board and feed and uh, have medical attention for, and she decided to sell it, that it just wasn't sustainable any longer. And so, um, you know, just providing that kind of information can really bring life change in a really good way to somebody. So I would encourage you all, if, uh, you know, if you've got anything at all to, to offer, and you all do. I mean, that's the thing. You all do. You all have things that you can, uh, could share that would benefit someone who uh, has never walked, you know, down that road before. So I uh, really encourage you all to, uh, to, to think about signing up for that. So let's pray. Lord God, I, I just thank you for, uh, for this church, Father, and I thank you for what you're doing in it, and I thank you for what you're going to continue to do in it, and I just bless it, Father, and I just pray you continue to, to bless it, that you would let your hand move mightily in this place today, Lord. We just give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for whatever will happen here today, Father. You simply use us as instruments to accomplish your purposes. And so uh, we just thank you for that, Lord, and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, to start with today, I'd like you to watch this uh, short uh, little mini movie. To those who have ears to hear, and eyes to see. Lift up your eyes, clean out your ears, and remember, no matter who you're pulling or pushing for, or even if you don't care for any of them, remember, fill your minds with the truth of God. For we have been called to be ambassadors, ambassadors of the one true King. A king whose parables reminded us that our neighbor may look and think differently, but we still need to love them. A king who talked of power coming from weakness, 
a king who said that peacemakers are truly children of God, a king who turned the laws of the world on its head, a king who could have commanded his army of angels to wage war against his enemies, but instead gave himself to the cross. Our king showed us that changing the world has nothing to do with political power. So remember, because we are joint heirs with Christ, our power is not tied to money, fame, or politics. Our power comes from the creator of the universe, and he has given us the voice in this world, a voice to change the world. And our voice is strongest when God's voice speaks through us. Our voice is loudest when we are quiet before the Father. Our voice is the boldest when we humble ourselves to God. Our voice is the most influential when we swallow up all the hate in this world and speak forth with love. So do you really want to change the world? Do you? Do you really want to change the world? Then fill your hearts and minds with the truth of God. Because the kingdoms of earth will pass away, but God's kingdom, it's eternal. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you really want to change the world? It's not a hypothetical question. Do you? Do you really want to change the world? See, the announcer is spot on. Voting in, in Tuesday's election or in any other election at any time in the future is not going to change the world. I'm not saying you shouldn't vote. In fact, you should vote, provided that you are reasonably informed about the issues at stake. If you're not, please stay home. <laughs> this is just too important for you know, someone to go and vote the way their grandfather always did or the way their mom always did or whatever. Know what it is you're voting for and then vote accordingly. I'm not going to tell you how. But I am saying that if you do vote on Tuesday's election or in future elections, that does not make you a world changer. It makes you a good citizen, a responsible citizen, but it does not make you a world changer. So let me ask you again, do you really want to change the world? Actually, I'm going to have to... Mark, can you advance them for me? Because I don't have the thing up here. Did you know that the vision of this church is to be world changers? There it is in front of you. To restore the hearts of all people to Jesus and bring them healing. Now, is there anybody here who would disagree that if we would do that, thank you, that if we would do that, if we could somehow accomplish that vision, that this world would be changed. Amen. Would it? Yeah. It would be changed. 
All right? So we're all agreed on that, it sounds like. Okay. So let's move on to something else for just a moment. We're going to kind of come back and tie all this together. Now, we have had two wonderful Sundays where we have done impartations of the Holy Spirit. And I must tell you, it was very exciting for me to see so many come forward hungry for the Holy Spirit, wanting to receive more. That was terrific. I just was so, so thrilled. But those two Sundays now have brought us to a crossroads. And that crossroads brings me to my first point. And that is this. Impartations come with expectations. Let me say that again. Impartations come with expectations. Recall what Paul said to Timothy when he was in that verse in 1 Timothy where he was imparting to him. I'm sorry, it was 2 Timothy, not 1. 2 Timothy 1.6, he said this. That is why I remind you to fan into flame the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, the special endowment, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, Paul's using a metaphor here that they would have all been familiar with. And in those days, um, you didn't let a fire go out, all right? You, you kept coals burning, you know, at least hot enough, so that when you needed a fire, all you had to do was fan the coals, put some more fuel on the fire, and you, it would spring back up again. But you didn't have to go through the whole effort of trying to restart it every time. So that's what Paul's talking about here. That's why he uses those particular terms. And now he's the thing to remember here, though, is that he's not talking about Timothy, Timothy's faith. Timothy's faith was fine. What he's talking about is the gifts that had been imparted to him through the laying on of hands. We know from some earlier writings that Timothy was perhaps kind of timid. That he wasn't really bold. Because Paul talks to him. Paul is Timothy's mentor. right? And so he's trying to encourage him. And so what he's saying to this somewhat timid person is, um, and, and this is going to be the, um, the Jeff translation, would be this. Use your gift. Give it away. That's what we've talked about, right? Give it away. The more you give, the more you get. And when you do that, that's what fans the fire into a roaring flame. A roaring flame of the Holy Spirit. It's actually a present tense verb. Fan into flame is probably better translated keep fanning. So it's a continuous thing. It's kind of like keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? It's something that, that happens. And again, it just is a reflection of this idea of as we give, so we get. And so there's that constant motion and that constant filling that's going on within us. And so in our case, I think the expectation of the impartation for this church is that we are to take 
what God has given to us and to go and be world changers. That's what it means to be his ambassadors. We're, we're representing our king, our kingdom, when we go out into the world. That's what an ambassador does. Right? We send ambassadors to other countries. Other countries send their ambassadors here. It's their representative of their country or their kingdom in a foreign land. We live in a foreign land. Amen? But we're part of the kingdom of God. And so as such, we are ambassadors of that kingdom in the foreign land in which we reside. That's what it means to be his ambassadors. And so, what does the ambassador have that just a normal citizen from that other country not have? He has the authority of the king, which is sort of carried out in some kind of credentialing, right? He has credentials that sort of um, give him that authority, whether it's a piece of paper or some sort of decree. In the um, in past days, it might have been something that had the king's seal on it, you know, that authorized them as the ambassador able to make negotiations, perhaps, for that country. Well, the thing is, and this is my second point, you, all of you, have been given world-changer credentials. Let's take a look at this verse from, from John. This is John 10, 22 through 25 in the Amplified Version. And it says, At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple area in Solomon's portico. So the Jews surrounded him and began saying to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are really the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, tell us so plainly and openly. Jesus answered them, I have told you so, yet you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify concerning me. They are my credentials and the evidence declaring who I am. If you wanted to break that down and make it a little more simple, you could say it this way. Signs and wonders were Jesus' credentials. Signs and wonders were the calling card of the kingdom. It's what Jesus himself said were the evidence of who he was. It's no different with us. They're the evidence of who we are and the kingdom that we're a part of. Those are the credentials that Everyone in here carries with them. See, I believe that verbal evangelism is no longer enough. I also don't believe that, it, that God 
And Jesus ever intended for verbal evangelism to be, to, to do it alone. Scripture certainly doesn't back that up. I mean, I love our brothers and sisters in the family of God who ha are so passionate for evangelism. I think that's wonderful. I just wish they knew there was more. There was more that could make their evangelism even more effective than it has been. Now, a lot of people believe that Paul was maybe the greatest evangelist that ever lived. You know, you hear um, a lot of people will compare Billy Graham to Paul, that Billy Graham is sort of the Paul of our age, right, in terms of the impact on our society and others. He's the pastor of presidents, as he's known. You know, he's counseled something like seven or eight different occupants of the Oval Office. And so Paul had a tremendous amount of influence. Paul was trained in the art of rhetoric, which is, was the idea of speaking and being able to convey information to other people. And he knew how to make a case for something, and he knew how to argue a point. He was trained in all of these things. I mean, he talks about the fact that he was the, a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? So he had been through the full measure of rabbinical school that was available to him. So he had been trained to the max, right? Probably call him Dr. Paul. He had gone all the way as far with his education as he could possibly have gone. And yet look at what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. This is what this master of rhetoric, this man who knew probably as well as anybody who lived at that time how to make an argument with someone and how to state a case and how to make a point. What did he say? And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom using clever rhetoric, but they were delivered in demonstration of the Holy Spirit operating through me and of his power stirring the minds of the listeners and persuading them so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom and rhetoric of men, but on the power of God. That's what the master of rhetoric said. Don't believe on the words of man, but believe on the power of God that you see demonstrated before you. Now, when Jesus sent his disciples out into the world, what did he tell them? Well, Jeff, he said, go into every town and village and preach a mighty sermon. Well, no, well, I don't think that's what he said. Um, he said, go up and down the village streets of all the towns and villages that you come in contact with and hand out tracts. <laughs> no, everybody's shaking their head, so I don't think he said that either. But what did he say? Well, what he said was this. Now Jesus called together the 12 disciples and gave them the right to exercise power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them out on a brief journey to preach the kingdom of God and to perform healing. So look at what happened here. You're going to see a pattern, I think. He, 
gave them something, meaning he imparted something to them. Yes? And what did he give them? He gave them his credentials. He gave them the signs and wonders that he himself had been doing. And then he sent them out to use the credentials. In other words, the impartation that he gave them brought forth an expectation of what he wanted them to go do. And the what he wanted them to go do was what? Cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Impartation has to result in an expectation. And the last thing that I really want to cover here is this. Use your, use your credentials with faith, expecting to see God do something. See, too often we, don't, we, we might pray for someone, but we don't really expect to see anything happen. We do it because we know it says it, we're to do it in Scripture. So we're being obedient. That's good. But we're praying without any faith. That's not so good. Those two have to come together, the obedience part and the faith part. Do you want to know what my favorite verse in the Bible is? Thank you. <laughs> my wife wants to know, so I'm going to share it with her. <laughs> Even if the rest of you don't care. My favorite verse in the Bible is John 21, 25. It's the very last verse in the Gospel of John. And it says this, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were recorded one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That, to me, means the sky's the limit. You know, we see things that we don't understand sometimes. Like, we'll pray for somebody up here in front of, of uh, the service, and we see the power of God hit him, and we see him fall on the floor, and we're like, well, that's not in Scripture. <laughs> well, if you believe verse 25, then maybe it is in Scripture. Maybe it just didn't happen to get written down. Maybe it happened so much that it sort of became so common they didn't even think to write it down. I don't know. The point is, not everything that can be done under the power of God is necessarily written in this book. We, we, uh, we tend to worship Scripture sometimes, right? We worship this book. We worship this book. It's, this is not God. This is not God. I'm sorry if you think I'm being heretical, but that's the truth. This is the word of God. This are things God has told us, but this is not God. God is way bigger than this book. Even those big fat Bibles, he's way bigger than that book. 
This is just a skinny little Bible. This doesn't even have any notes in it. He's bigger than those big old ones you put on the coffee table and never open. But it looks really good on your coffee table, doesn't it? I'm religious. I got Jesus because he's on my coffee table. Man, I am taking rabbit trails today. But that's okay. See, I think what this scripture tells us, this one right here, is that, well, that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> there we go. What it tells us is that it's okay to take risks, that we have permission to take risks. <clears throat> I think it also says that God likes risks. I think he likes it when we take risks. One of my favorite Robbie Dawkins stories, and if you know, some of you may not know who Robbie is. Robbie is a, was a vineyard pastor for a number of years. He has since uh, given up the pastorate, of, uh, given up his church, and he's now on staff at the vineyard in Evanston, uh, not Evanston, Champaign-Urbana. And he still travels the world as a healing evangelist. Okay? And so and, and Robbie tells terrific stories. He's one of the funniest storytellers uh, that I have ever heard speak. I love to listen to him. And he was telling this one story, the story of when he and his son went to raise a woman from the dead is hysterical, but I'm not going to share that now. You'll have to, we'll do that some other time perhaps. <clears throat> the one I want to share now was he was one time when Robbie and I think it was one or, m or several of his sons were going in a drugstore. And they were just going to you know, going in there to get a few things. His son was with him. And Robbie kind of goes off one way, to, I guess, to find whatever it was he was, was going to get. And his son's kind of wandering around. And all of a sudden, <coughs> Robbie hears this coming from the other side of the drugstore. Hey, does anybody here want to see a miracle? <laughs> and he recognizes the voice. And he knows it's his son. So... He walks over. Well, his son has met another boy about his same age whose leg is in a cast. And, of course, Robbie's son, who's been around his dad, and, you know, whether he's heard it or just got it by osmosis, he understands that God heals people. But he also understands another significant part of that equation, and that is that when you raise the risk level, you raise the faith level. And what he was doing was he was amping up faith by sort of announcing, hey, this is going to happen. Do you want to come see it? You think God's not going to answer that prayer? Especially a prayer prayed by a young man with no agenda other than simply to heal a little boy that he met? Well, as Robbie tells the story, the little boy was running around shortly after having been prayed for on a broken ankle. <laughs> See, if you, if you expect that God is going to do something, <clears throat> raising the risk is like turning up the power dial. I won't, it's not a guarantee. Don't get me wrong. There are no guarantees. God is God. And not only is he bigger than this book, 
but he also does what he wants to do when he chooses to do it. And there are reasons sometimes why that we never will know. But the point is that he has given us, <coughs> excuse me, he has given us these credentials. He's given us this impartation. He expects us to go out and to use them as a means of being world changers. We think that, oh, I, you know, I, it's just... One of Randy Clark's favorite statements is he talks about little old me. And he uses that phrase, little old me, to refer to essentially, not in not a demeaning way, but all of you. Because all of you are essentially little old me's in the kingdom. And so the, the, the where this thought comes from is this idea that, well, God wouldn't use little old me. I'm, I'm a nobody. Well, you're wrong. God uses little old me's all the time. I heard a wonderful story at the conference we went to about a, a woman whose church really didn't even believe in, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and in healing miracles, but who went to one of these conferences and decided that she was going to make healing her personal ministry. And the interesting thing was she kept a journal. And in the journal, she wrote down the name, the date, the place, and what happened of everybody she prayed for. And this journal went on for page after page after page. And do you know that she had about a 40% success rate in terms of people being totally healed? That's, that's good. Trust me, that's good. You know, in big conferences, they'll sometimes tell you that if 20% of the people get healed, that's, that's good. This lady's was 40. And what, you know, what I am trying to tell you, what I know John has, has tried to emphasize in the School of Kingdom Ministry and in other venues, is that <coughs> this is not hard. This is what that whole, you know, what we're talking about is this whole idea of being naturally supernatural. You know, that's the great thing about the way we do ministry. You know, we're, we're not like the, um, the priests of Baal, you know, who have to run around and yell and cut themselves and you know, do all these weird things to try to gin up, you know, that their God will come and bring fire to burn up the sacrifice on the altar. Story in Isaiah. Another one of my favorites. Or not Isaiah, Elijah. And then Elijah just comes and dumps all this water on the altar and says, Lord, <laughs> bang, the fire falls. Elijah, I would say, was being naturally supernatural. He didn't run around and jump around and yell and do all sorts of crazy things. And it's the same with us. We don't have to do that. We can be ambassadors of God and be exactly who he's created us to be. The very person 
that he's created us to be. All we've got to do is look for opportunities. Now, I'm not one who believes that when you receive an impartation, it's not a use it or lose it. That's not how God gives us things. When he gives you something, you have it. But I do think that it's much like those coals, that they're just going to be you know, a very, very small bit of warmth unless you're willing to fan into flame the gift that is within you. And we're going to do that this morning. We're going to do a little flame fanning. (laughs) I had to think about that. (laughs) Darlene, would you come up here, please? I didn't tell Darlene I was going to do this, so (laughs) she has no opportunity to refuse me, and she wouldn't dare not come up here when I asked her on a Sunday morning. (laughs) So would you explain what's going on with your shoulder? June 13th, I fell at work, and I broke my shoulder, and I received services from an orthopedic specialist who really felt that, you know, he gave time to heal that, and then he sent me to physical therapy, and month after month I was doing that, and, and it seemed after about three or four months to get worse, and he kind of insulted the therapist saying they weren't doing anything for me, and I wasn't doing enough exercises, so I kept working on it, and I just knew that something was seriously wrong, so I went to my primary care physician, and I had asked the orthopedic guy for an MRI, and he wouldn't give it to me. So I went to my regular doctor, and he ordered an MRI, and they found out that I had a really bad torn rotator cuff. That's why I'm not getting better with all the exercises, they're making me worse, actually. So I was told, stop that, because you can't go to a PT anymore. And um, so I've got surgery scheduled for December 7th, but you know what? If I have to cancel that, (laughs) hallelujah. All right, would you like for Darlene to have to cancel her surgery? All right, so what we've just done right now is, is what you would do if you ran across Darlene. Now, you, you wouldn't know it, but you did see her for a while. She was wearing a sling. Okay. So let's say you see someone in a grocery store and they're wearing a sling. Oh, I'm so sorry. It appears that you've hurt your arm. What happened? Well, what's she going to tell you? She's going to tell us exactly what she just told you all. Okay. And then you would say, because you have ambassador's credentials. <laughs> well, I, let me back up for a second. So, Darlene, what can, um, what, how, what's the limit of the motion in your arm right now? <coughs> Is there anything you can't do? As far as I can go. So I can go up higher. Okay. She can't go back. Can you come up to the side at all? Mm-hmm. All right. Wh- Not wh- as much as this one. All right. So that's your limit. It's about right there. And then there's I can inch up, but yeah. pain after that. Okay. All right, so what am I doing there? Well, I'm trying to find out how am I going to know if Darlene gets better? Well, I'm going to know because hopefully she'll be able to move her arm further and without pain than she could before we prayed. Right? Okay, so now I'm going to whip out my ambassador card and say, um, would it be okay if I prayed for you? Yes. (laughs) 
It was kind of a setup. I, I wasn't was sure she was going to say no. I was this morning, like at 7 o'clock, listening to Healing Scripture, saying, Lord, yeah, I'm ready. Actually, why don't you face them? I want you to face them. So just, just face them. Okay, now, like I said, naturally supernatural. I don't have to go up and, and go, Oh, God. <laughs> if it pleaseth thou. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't have to speak in King James anymore. We really probably never had to. Being naturally supernatural just means we just pray. Just pray using your own words. Whatever happens to come out, it's, it's going to be okay. God's going to heal it. So I'm just going to, you know, would ask, is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? Okay. So always ask permission, especially if you're dealing with someone from the opposite gender. You want to ask permission. Some people just don't like to be touched. And if, that's, if that were the case, then I would just kind of put my hand near her shoulder. But it's better if the person will let you put hand on her shoulder. Now, you don't pray. Tell them not to pray. For whatever reason, and I don't, That's right. I don't know, we receive better when we're not praying. It's not my effort. Right. Just put your hands down to your side and just relax and receive. Come Holy Spirit. I thank you for Darlene and I thank you, Jesus, for your power to heal. I just pray you would now come and touch. That your healing power would surge through Darlene's shoulder that you would repair any damage that is done to her rotator cuff or anything else. Repair any torn ligaments or tendons, uh, any bone that's chipped, any muscles that are torn, Father. We just ask you to, to repair all of that now and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, that's all that is real you really have to do. That's... That's what those are the credentials that you've been given. And so now what I'm going to do is to say, okay, Darlene, how does it feel? I know it feels pretty good that way. Okay, so how far can you lift your arm up? Okay, that's a little higher than you could do before. All right, so we've seen improvement, right? Does that mean we stop? No. no. Because remember the scripture where Jesus played for, prayed for a blind man? And he asked him, so what can you see? And he says, well, I see people like trees. What was he saying? Well, I can, I can kind of see shadows is really what he was really describing there. So, so, okay, so Jesus said, well, great, let's pray some more. So let's pray some more. Father, I thank you for what you've done. I just praise you for the increased movement that Darlene has shown. And Lord, I just ask for more right now, more in Jesus' name. More, Lord, more. More of your healing touch. It's come in power. Let's pray for more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, more. In Jesus' name, more. All right, now check it. That felt pretty hard. But you can't, still can't get it over your head, can you? Can't do that yet. All right. So we've made even more progress. You want to stop? No. <laughs> you know, I was planning all that time off from work. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Now, I should tell you, it's 1125. <laughs> we could stop. 
Holy Spirit, come. Lord Jesus, I just thank you once again for improvement. But Father, we're not satisfied with improvement. We want total healing, Lord. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you for your power, Lord. Just bless that, Father. Just bless what you're doing right now. Father, right into that in Jesus' name, right there. Right there, Father. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. That's where, that's where the rotator cuff is torn. It's right in so right there, Lord. Just go right there. Let your power come right there. Heal it together, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. More. Thank you, Lord. More. Praise you, Father. We just praise you for all that you're doing. Just ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm not going to lie. It hurts a little bit when I go back like that, but I'm doing better than I was. Okay. I'm doing really good up that way. All right. We're going to do, we're going to pray one more time. <clears throat> and then her husband is going to pray for her uh, when he gets home. And I will tell you this. Spouses have significantly more authority over their mates than do anybody else. And so that's why it's always a good thing for husbands to pray for wives and wives for husbands because there's a relationship there, right? There's a connection. And so you have greater authority over that person and will have more influence in prayer, all right? So, Lord, I thank you once again. It's come in power, Father. Right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Release. Shoulder release now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Nothing that binds, just release in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. share something when you were no okay <laughs> <laughs> yes you may when you were teaching I, I was also reminded when was it Peter and somebody when when the man came up for healing or asked for silver or gold asked for money and he said silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give up to you in the name of Jesus rise up and walk so he knew he owned that just like you were saying this morning mm -hmm. he knew it had been imparted to him and that scripture came to him and I would have said the same thing if you had come and asked me for money. Because <laughs> I don't have any silver or gold. But I'll give you what I got. Hey, it doesn't hurt to do those. Oh, yay. Yay. Try, before you sit down, just try this one more time. See where we are. All right. Now, the other thing is that this, this may not be the end of it. I mean, God will continue to work, and it may be by tonight she's able to do this. Praise God. Praise God. Now let me ask you a question. Was there anything that I did that accomplished that? I'll give you a hint. No. 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 
I, have, I can do nothing on my own. All I can do is be obedient and use the credentials that God has given me when the opportunity presents itself. And I believe that God will honor that kind of a, a, a prayer every time. Now, does that mean he'll always heal someone? No, but the person, I guarantee you, will feel loved and valued by God, whether they're healed or not. They will know that, that God, through you, loves them. 